Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by a guest speaker who visited our Burragoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, it's, uh, it's just wonderful to come to this point in the service where we're introducing Alan to many ways. Alan and Helen don't need interaction. Please be seated. In many ways, uh, Alan and Helen don't need interaction. Many of you know them through their courses that they've run many over the years, and of course their presence through these large number or a series of courses or sessions that we've had just over the last few days. It's been an absolute blessing, and these guys, I said before, have been a monstrous gift to us, and I know many have been touched and blessed. Alan was senior pastor uh, at uh, a church in uh, Mount Evelyn in Melbourne uh, for many years, which under his leadership uh, was renamed to Careforce Church. And it grew to around about 2,500 plus people uh, during their time there uh, as a team. Uh, uh, Helen was pastoring there as well. Uh, so it was just a wonderful experience for them at that church, the largest of the Church of Christ denominations. But he and Helen have always had this great passion to see people uh, live the best lives that they possibly can, for people to be healed and to be restored. And so they've developed what was called Careforce Life Keys, and it's a ministry that releases people out of brokenness, um, out of uh, and into healing and discipleship and evangelism. And of course, these Life Keys courses, which many of you would have known about, the material's been produced, it's used in over 2,500 churches and organisations around the world now, uh, and in 20-odd countries. So uh, the ministry has been blessed of God. And so this morning, let us warmly welcome Alan as he comes to speak with us this morning. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Well, good morning. It's a real pleasure to be with you. And uh, I don't know what got you into church this morning, but whatever it was, it's a good thing. Because God loves people. And uh, God loves to bless people. I heard this little story about a uh, little Catholic nun. She used to work for a Catholic healthcare agency. She'd get dressed every day and... Uh, put on her habit and go around in her station wagon take care of uh, sick people. Um, she was out doing her rounds one day and a little station wagon ran out of petrol. Um, she pulled up about uh, uh, half a block from a petrol station, went down and asked if she could borrow a can to put some petrol in. The man said, I'm sorry, but the can we use for that is uh, already being used and not wanting to waste hours for that can to come back. She went back to a station wagon to try to find the biggest receptacle she could find and it turned out to be a bedpan. So back she went to the petrol station with a bedpan, filled the bedpan with petrol. Here's a nun walking down the road with a bedpan and a truck pulled up on the side of the road, a couple of workmen sitting in there having their lunch. And they watch this nun walking down the sidewalk with a bedpan and she comes to a vehicle and pours the contents into the tank. Um, <laughs> One workman turns to the other. He said, I am not a religious man, but if that car starts, I'm going to church on Sunday. <laughs> if that's what got you here today, God bless you. I'm glad, whatever it takes. Because um, I want to share something with you about the wonderful work of God 
that's going on right here in your own community through your own church and to encourage you how God could expand his love into this community just by simply helping you to become better neighbours when kindness touches a neighbourhood because it's really the story um, that Helen and I carry as a result of our 26 years at um, what was known as Mount Evelyn Christian Fellowship and then became known as Careforce Church. I guess in order to introduce you to Jesus' thoughts about becoming really brilliant neighbours, it all begins with a, with a big question. The big question was asked one day by a lawyer. Bible says in Luke chapter 10 that on one occasion an expert in the law Uh, stood up to test Jesus teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life it's a silly question in many ways what must I do to inherit I mean inheritance what do you have to do to get an inheritance well not up to you is it you need to be written into somebody else's will and then you need them to die in order to inherit anything So Jesus could have said, it's a silly question. Would you like to rephrase that in some way, being a lawyer, come up with a better wording? But he was kind to the man and he said, well, look, you're the expert. You want to know how to inherit eternal life? He said, why don't you, what do you think is written in the law since that's your job? And uh, invited him to answer his own question to which he said, well, this is what I think we have to do to inherit eternal life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he stood back to see what Jesus would say about that. And Jesus said, you're absolutely brilliant. That is astounding. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. And then he said something he hadn't expected. Go and do what you just said. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And suddenly the lawyer realized he'd set out to trap Jesus or test Jesus. He'd been given the privilege of writing his own examination question. He'd answered it himself and suddenly he'd failed the test because immediately he was aware of a problem with what he'd just said. What he'd just said was that, I want to inherit eternal life. I need to love God and I need to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. And he had a neighbor. His, neighbor was, his neighbor's name was Jaime. And suddenly he realized there was no way in the world that he was ever going to love Jaime as much as himself. And how would he now pass his own examination? Now, um, one of the things that you can do if you're typing a Word document, if you get the end of a Word document... One of the things you can do is you can justify the document. It's a great thing, justifying a document. You select the whole document, they hit the, you hit the justify icon, and all of the letters spring out to the, to the edges. It looks perfect and wonderful, and you don't have to do one more thing. And that's really what he was after. He wanted to pass his own exam without doing one more thing. He wanted to justify himself. And it's as if he said, well, you know, I'd really love to love my neighbor as much as myself, but I'm I'm just not sure who he is. I'm just not sure who we're talking about. Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus said, let me me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. He said, "Um, there was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him. And they went away, leaving him 
half dead. I show you the photograph because sometimes we hear stuff uh, in Bible stories, but we've never seen the place ourselves. And a few years ago, Helen and I got a chance to walk the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And this is it. We're partway down the road. And here we're heading into the last gorge, which ends up coming out at the uh, town of Jericho. And let me say that if ever you have a heart to, to rob someone, it's a really good spot. Um, lots of places to hide, very hard for people to get away. Jesus said there was a guy doing that journey and robbers leapt upon him and beat him up and robbed him and left him lying half dead on the side of the road. Pretty serious situation. But wait, fear not. Help is on the way. Uh, Jesus said, uh, a priest. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side a priest well that's got to be a good thing I mean here's a god man a professional god man walking down the same road this is going to turn out really well but then Jesus said he 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 saw the man and passed by on the other side why would a priest do a thing like that well maybe it's because he lived in Jericho and he was heading up to Jerusalem to do his ministry And he realizes if I stop and this guy dies over these next few moments while I'm taking care of him, I'm going to be unclean for seven days and God's going to miss out on my brilliant ministry. But you see, that that wasn't a concern for God's glory involved here because Jesus didn't say he was going up the road. He said he was going down the road. And you say, that's very pedantic, Al. No, it's exactly how those words were used in relationship to Jerusalem. You were never going down from Jericho. You were going up because every time you went to Jerusalem, you were said to be going up. Whenever you left it, you were said to be going down. He was leaving Jerusalem. He'd been in church. He'd been serving God, explaining the Bible to people sharing his brilliant theology with people. And on the way home, he finds a guy half dead on the side of the road and he sees it, but he has a conflict. What's the conflict? Well, it's not my ministry. I don't do half dead people. I'm a theological person. I do Bible studies. I, I, I don't do triage. And, and after all, the football's on TV and there's a shepherd's pie in the oven. And if I don't leave, uh, all kinds of ways to justify yourself. But for all of his great theology and for all of his coming right from a worship service, he walked right past the guy and went on his way. Extraordinary. But wait, a second opportunity. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him. Well, a Levite's not a priest. I mean, he's not, he's not quite at that level. A Levite is kind of like a deacon. Uh, it's not as if he's uh, the one in charge. He, he just helps the services happen. He gets the chairs out for, for this guy at the temple. He brings in the wood. He takes out the ashes and the dead stuff. And he just kind of helps to make church happen. But he's a man who hangs around the house of God. He's heard these uh, stories from Genesis, how man is made in the image of God. And he's heard about the glory of the Lord, that one day it'll cover the earth like the water covers the sea. But come across a half-dead dude on the way home and 
Suddenly, it's not his ministry either. Not my ministry. I don't do half dead people. So he passes by on the other side. And Jesus said, a Samaritan, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. A Samaritan. Anyone who's done any Bible study knows what Jesus is doing here. He's presenting the lawyer with a little bit of a, a crisis because the lawyer would have had a very dim view of Samaritans. Samaritans were viewed like dogs to true blue Jews. You see, the Samaritans, their theology was wonky. They didn't even have a full Bible. They they weren't even true blue Jews. They were half Jew, half Gentile, left over from the Assyrian invasion of around 700 BC. Uh, They'd been removed largely from the land. The Assyrians mixed up the population to make sure they broke up the nationalistic ties and then eventually sent back a priest to allow them to reestablish some of the local worship. But he only had five books of the Bible, the first five. He only had the Pentateuch. And here they were with their wonky religion and their wonky claims to Abraham as their father. But blow me down if a good old Samaritan walking down the road can't figure out that if a person's half dead on the side of the road, somebody ought to do something. And so he sees. He sees him. It's an amazing thing, you know, the... um, the power of the words of Jesus have had a profound influence on Western civilization. The average Australian has no idea the degree to which his lifestyle has been influenced by these words of Jesus because they have been so much part of Western thinking now for so long. People think we thought this stuff up, compassion, that we thought up the idea of education and hospitals and care for all, that somehow that's, you know... It was just all obvious to us and we all figured this out ourselves. We are the beneficiaries of these words. And one of the ways in which these, these ideas and these thoughts have been transmitted through Western civilization has been through artwork. Here is the same moment depicted by Vincent van Gogh. But a Samaritan as he traveled came to where the man was and when he saw him, He took pity on him. Amazing thing. You know, um, I'll be honest and say I've been coming home from church for years, long time. Um, In all my years of coming home from church over my entire lifetime, this has never happened to me one time. I have never once been coming home from church and found a dude half dead lying on the side of the road Uh, needing my assistance. The closest I ever got was I found a guy half naked tied to a lamppost one Friday night. Uh, But it turned out to be his bucks night and it was his friends who did it to him so it was not quite my my, uh, good Samaritan moment. Um, the, The tragedy is that I never actually saw that one time in my life. And in many ways this was part of the challenge of my ministry in Mount Evelyn because you see the brokenness of people in first world countries is not as obvious as it is in third world countries a lot of the brokenness in first world countries is behind closed doors 
where people weep and groan and struggle often courageously to try their make, to make their life work. And as a result, I, I, I drove home past dead people, half dead people every week of my ministry and never really noticed or was fully aware of that fact because the fact of the reality is that we are really, in fact, surrounded by pain. And if I hadn't done that, I'd be happier. We're surrounded by pain. If you were to walk outside this church today and walk down the street, any street you like, and knock on any 10 doors you like, by the time you've knocked on 10 doors, you would find everything on that list. And in some houses, you would find everything on that list. It's not that we aren't surrounded by pain. It's that in first world countries, it's just so easy not to see it. And that was my situation. For 10 years, I led a church in Mount Evelyn. And I never realized, I never saw how profoundly my community needed a good neighbor. Fact is that I was surrounded by chemical dependency. I was surrounded by gambling addiction, sexual abuse. See, that's where it began for us. That's where God began to open my eyes to the fact that I was a neighbor to to hundreds of people who were struggling courageously as survivors of sexual abuse. I just never noticed them. I never knew how to connect with them. But there was one woman on our staff who one day God broke her heart in a communion service for uh, survivors of sexual abuse. And she said to God in that communion service, I'll do whatever I can. And she developed a little counseling course. And when we launched that counseling course, and began to use it in our church, we could identify 72 female survivors sitting in our church every Sunday for whom no one had ever done anything. And if someone had come to me and said, Al, what do we do for female survivors around here? I would have said, it's not my ministry. It's not what I was trained to do. I mean, we'd need to send that kind of person somewhere else because it's just not, not my ministry. And yet, as we began to do ministry, we discovered something amazing, and that is that the church is actually the body of Jesus and Jesus is the greatest healer the world will ever know. And as she began to courageously serve these women, they began to encounter the grace of God. And as they began to encounter it, they told their friends and a trickle of women from the community began to appear in our church asking for help. The tragedy was we were really not set up for that. We didn't have a healing community. We had one courageous healing individual And as a result, she was overwhelmed by the need and eventually burned out and went off uh, our staff. But I saw what had happened and it it woke my attention to the fact that I was surrounded by half-dead people and that that we were called to be a good neighbour to them. Marriage breakdown, sexual addiction, the, the Valiant Man course came out of my awareness of watching marriage after marriage fail because of pornography and its impact in lives. Marriage breakdown. When I moved into Mount Evelyn, we built a house. Um, Next door to me, there was an Englishman building a house who was a new immigrant. I thought, I can't wait till we finish building our houses and I'll invite him over and share my radiant faith with him and he'll come to know Christ. Well, I invited him over for dinner one night when our houses had been completed and I shared Jesus with him. He thought I was an idiot. (laughs) Got one of them next door. Back you foul Christian. I couldn't touch him for 10 years. But one day I came home from doing a wedding on a Saturday afternoon and as I pulled up in my driveway, his car pulled up right behind mine. 
He got out of his car with tears running down his face. He said, Alan, my marriage is failing. Do you think you could help me? He came to church with us the next day, gave his life to Jesus. And for a solid year, I tried as the best I could to save his marriage, but it was too far gone. All I could do was help him have a, the best possible divorce, which he did. Today, that man leads the intercessory prayer ministry at the, chair, at the church that I led. I couldn't get him with my testimony, but when, when his marriage broke down and he was half dead on the side of the road, there was a place that he could go. Divorce. It was a, a horrendous divorce that brought the woman into our, the life of our church who uh, became the business manager of our Life Keys ministry for a number of years. A horrendous divorce. Parenting problems, family dysfunction, grief, eating disorders, shame, guilt, self-hatred, codependency, insecurity, depression, poverty, financial mismanagement. We are surrounded by broken people. I just never saw it. But when we began to see it, we realized what we were called to do. Jesus said, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Johann Lote, the German artist, depict us that moment in this way. You can't do this kind of ministry just by sticking things in people's letterboxes. You can't do this thing by email and you can't do this thing by just putting out placards. It requires you've got to get up close enough to hear people's story. You've got to have people who are willing to sit in a small group and be prepared to care for people over a series of weeks pouring on oil and wine the word and the love of God and helping them to begin to rebuild their lives. And then Jesus said, this precious Samaritan, he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. Jesus believes in referrals. The guy didn't sell his donkey. He's a businessman. That's why he's on the road with a donkey. He didn't sell his donkey and try to become Teen Challenge. He took him somewhere. The, the, the church that becomes a great neighbor creates a, a whole group of referrals to help people find the help that they need. We, don't, we can't do everything ourselves. We can't all be doctors or nurses or hospitals or Teen Challenge or whatever else it takes. But we can establish ourselves as great neighbors that help people find the help they need. And then Jesus said, The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. This is Rembrandt's attempt to depict this moment in this parable. You see, it's somewhat expensive to care for people. And as the priest walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho would have noticed, it will interrupt your life for a season or a period of time. Usually the cost is not financial, it's more emotional. Hearing stories. I'll never forget when we began to create the course called The Door of Hope, which allowed us to do ministry to female survivors of sexual abuse. There would be an evening when the girls would all share the stories that they had with the, with the leaders of their small group. And as we would be in the debriefing time at the end of the night, those girls would come back and their eyes were red from crying because they'd heard stories that would break anybody's heart. And it took courage to sit in those groups and give those women a chance to to tell their stories and to start a journey towards a healthier life. But by the grace of God, there are people who are willing to serve. And as they do, they become better neighbors and people find help. 
I want to show you one more picture. Um, this is a picture about me. Um, this is a picture of the church I led for 10 years. That's me out the front there dressed in white with carrying the, the word and the sacraments. And right behind me, my faithful Levites, my music ministry, as we tried to do the best Sunday services we could every week. And by the way, no one needs bad Sunday services. Do the very best you can. But every week we've walked past half dead people and never realized what a difference we could be making until God opened our eyes and we began to appreciate our possibilities. Who is my neighbor? Well, it's anyone whose need I see, whose need I am able to meet. And we discovered that with a little help and the development of some, some tools and the training of some small group leaders, we were able to do amazingly more than we'd ever imagined we were able to do because the church is really the body of Christ. Now comes Jesus' application to this story of his. Now Jesus turns and says to his lawyer, now tell me, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus said, you are brilliant. You are a brilliant man. Now, just take this truth and do likewise. Become a good neighbor. Don't just become a good theologian. Become a good neighbor. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, where the Old Testament said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are recipients of a new covenant. And the new covenant, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He calls us to care about our community as he cares about our community and laid his life down for it. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. This is what changed our church. We began to appreciate all of the different areas in which we were surrounded by half dead people and we simply made a decision that we were going to do whatever we could to be useful to Jesus and to them. We were going to be better neighbours. I guess what I'm talking about is, is good works. Yeah, it's good works. The kind of works, by the way, that the church does best. We do all kinds of amazing things. Church is the body of Jesus, the greatest healer the world will ever know. The wonderful thing about doing this kind of stuff is it changes the way the community thinks about you. If we'd been raptured before this ever began in our church, no one would have known we were gone until... We didn't pay the light bill and someone turned up to try to find out why. Because we would never have been missed in our community. But as we became a better neighbor and people discovered, I oh, will never forget marriage situation. I was in my office one day and um, a, my secretary walks in and says, the man from Four Corners is here. He wants to talk to you. I thought, oh, great. Just what we need, an expose on Four Corners. So we invite the man, he's the producer of Four Corners. He sits in my office. I said, he said, we want to film in your church. Why? 
We've been conducting or creating a program for the last two years. We've been watching 14 different individuals who were sexually abused in the Catholic system. We've been filming them every now and then and all of their lives are spiraling downwards and suddenly one of them begins to improve. And when we ask him why, he says he's getting help in a church. We want to know what kind of a church is it that can help someone who was abused in a church. Well, I had no idea who they were talking about. But the answer was very simple. I said, find out the story. Who who are we talking about? And it was very simple. We ran a marriage course uh, in teaching a a young couple about the stairwell of communication. It was life-changing. Now the man's sharing with his neighbour over the back fence about the stairwell of communication. His neighbour says, that's brilliant stuff. Where do you learn that? He said, oh, I went and did a course. Well, can anyone get into it? Yeah, come on, we'll get you in. Now his next door neighbour's going through making marriage better. On the final night of that 10-week course, his neighbour says to the leaders, how do you give your life to Jesus? He gave his life to Christ and now he and his little wife and three children are sitting in our congregation each week and I've never even met them because this wasn't the result of my brilliant ministry. It was the result of faithful neighbours sharing the love of God and the powerful stories that Jesus brings to the heart of a human being. It's amazing how good works can create goodwill. We were travelling somewhere to get some more um, skills on this area one time and Helen said to me, Alan, we have to build a course for children children whose lives have been distressed Helen grew up in a home with a functioning alcoholic father after the death of her mum she knows what it's like for a child to grow up in a troubled family household and Helen's a primary school teacher by training she used to get all the little broken wings and bring them into her her uh, nurture and she'd help to rebuild their little lives we've got to create a course for children so we created a course called kids with courage It's functioning in primary schools all over this country. We were running it in five local primary schools in our own area. And so now you've got a child, a 10-year-old child, who's growing up in a home that's got a lot of disruption, and as a result, he doesn't make friends very well, and he's not learning very well, but he goes through a seven-week experience called Kids with Courage. And in that process, he begins to discover people can listen to your heart. You You can learn to share without punching or shouting or creating trouble. You can learn to have a different approach. It's an amazing thing. It doesn't matter how dysfunctional a family might be. They love their children. They love their children. And you help their children and they will love you forever. And suddenly, one Sunday morning, this big burly plumber turns up with his wife and a little gaggle of children, all being led by a 10-year-old child who went through Kids with Courage. You've got to come and meet Peter. Peter's in the Sunday school. He was my small group leader. And now a little family is sitting in church beginning a journey to Jesus because a 10-year-old child got some help. You see, good works creates goodwill and goodwill opens people's hearts for good news. I'm talking about eternity. And Jesus would have one thing to say to all of you this morning. Would you be willing to train to expand your skills if it was possible for your local church to reach out more powerfully as a good neighbour into this community. Because if you were ready, if you were willing, there'd be an opportunity for you to declare today, I think if, if I could be part of something like this, 
Um, I'd like to find out what that would take. And today, outside at the information desk, you could put your name down and say, if you do some training for us to become a better neighbour, I'd like to be part of that. And if you do, I know this, that you'll discover that being a participant in Christian ministry is way more exciting than being um, a spectator from the grandstand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my friends this morning. I pray over this church. I pray in the name of Jesus that the hearts in this auditorium this morning, whom you know could become better neighbours in bringing healing to broken people, I pray that you'd put a spark of hope in their heart and that they would say, Lord, here I am use me I pray that you'll bless this house I thank you for this church planted in this community surrounded by half dead people let the light of Jesus flow from this house to this community for the sake of eternity in Jesus name Amen God bless you it's been lovely to talk to you this morning we hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.